0: Father, this morning we just come to you, Lord. We are a set of people who are forewarned. And our faith is not in the system, though we pray for the system. Our faith is not in the hand of man, though we appreciate the work they do. Our eyes are upon you, and our faith is in you, Lord. When everything else fails, God will be still there. And he will never fail. For God never fails. So this morning I pray even once again during the ministry of the word, the purpose of that ministry will be fulfilled. Even more faith will arise in our hearts and in our lives. And we will learn even more how to walk in faith, O Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Speak to us. Teach us, Lord. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Like I said, we live in unprecedented times. It's also because of what we call the incredible the advance in technology, especially communications. Old days when stuff like this happened, nobody knew. But today, it's impossible to hide anything. So everybody knows. <laughs> and there is real, real panic in the air. And 2020 is a Bad season also because it is elections. It's election season in US. So there are forces who would want this to continue to bring a government down. Create panic and cause this instability. You need to realize there are a lot of things that are happening that we have no clue. But all else is sinking sand. We stand on solid ground. This is what God said. Heaven and earth will pass away. But not a dot. A tittle from his word. So do you hear me? Because faith comes from hearing. Faith comes from hearing. And hearing from the word of God. <clears throat> if we study closely the teachings of Jesus. Jesus. His actual teachings when he was going around teaching. His teachings, the word of God he preached, was preached to a very specific, targeted audience. Jesus called it the good soil. Okay, whether it is 30 fold, 60 fold or 100 fold, he called it the, the good soil. We know that in the parable of the sower. In Mark chapter 4 and verse 14, I'm sorry I didn't give it to you, (coughs) we know in the parable of the sower, he's talking about the word of God. He's not talking about sowing the seed. He's using a parable to explain something. The sower sows the word. Okay? So we need to understand very, very clearly that when Jesus is using illustrations, he's talking about the word. Even now, here... Believe as I preach. The spirit of God will be sowing the word. And we see this particular parable, the parable of the sower, in three of the four gospels. And we see a pattern there. In Matthew 13 and verse 23, he who receives the seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it and who indeed bears fruit and produces. Some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. But if you look at closely, in this parable in Matthew, you see two words. He hears, and he understands. If you go to the parallel Gospel, that is Mark, the next one, and we see the same in Mark 4 and verse 20. But these are the ones sown on good ground, those who hear the word and accept. The first one is hear and understand. In the second one, there's a little shift. It says those who hear and accept or receive. In Luke 8.15, the same parable, it says these are the ones that fell on the good ground are those who having heard the word with a noble and a good heart and keep it and bear fruit with patience or perseverance. So you put these three together. That's how you put it together. You put it together. But if you look at all the three, what is common there is here. It all begins with hearing. The first parable, they hear and understand. In the second one, you accept it and you receive it. In the third one, the heart is noble, with a good heart, you receive it, you keep it, and you pursue it with perseverance. So the question is, we all hear. We all hear. That's step one. We all hear. God says, all those who have ears, let them hear. Because people may have ears, that doesn't mean they hear. The first thing is hearing. The second thing is, do I understand what I hear? Step two is, do I understand what I hear? Third step is, do I accept, receive what I hear and I understand? And fourth is, do I persevere? Am I patient about working on it over and over and over and over? But like I said, The first thing is the first step is hearing. So you can divide, even in a church or in the world, people into two groups. Those who hear and those who don't hear. That is why the importance of hearing. And Romans 10, we saw it, I don't know when we saw it, maybe two weeks back. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? How shall they preach unless they are sent? As is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace who bring glad tidings, uh, glad tidings of good things. So you will see if you divide the gospel proclamation into different parts, the greatest investment in terms of money and manpower And time is given for the first one so that people hear the gospel. Now you're not, you're not hearing the gospel. You have heard the gospel, you are saved, now you are being taught the word of God. But the maximum investment in the world is always in the first step. That people need to hear at least once. Nobody should die without hearing about the kingdom of God and what Jesus has done. So the first part is where the maximum amount of time, energy and resources have always gone in for 2000 years. That is step one. What is that? People need to hear. People need to hear. and That's what he tells his disciples, commissions them, Go to the ends of the earth that people may hear. You need to realize, if that is the first step, that also is the step where you will face the greatest opposition. The first step. Laws. Over 2,000 years, different nation, different dispensations, all aimed at one thing. Stop the preaching of the gospel, the printing of the Bible, all kind of things. Stop step one. Because once it is inside, it is difficult to take it out. So always you will see mob attacks, violence, church, everything is aimed at step one. And step two, what the enemy does is that if you read the book of Revelation, you will see he floods the streets and modern day internet with false preaching. So even if you hear, you don't hear the right thing. You hear the good news, which is false news. Like if you go uh, all around Hyderabad, you will see this HDFC ergos advertisement. Good news for Hyderabad. I said, Oh, which preacher is coming? And say HDFC life. (laughs) All over the city. Good news for Hyderabad. I thought some preacher was coming to the city. Good news means gospel. Okay. But internet is Full of false preachers. You need to be so, have this discernment of God to waver. It's a minefield. Why does he? And it's been there from the beginning. One Elijah will stand on Mount Carmel surrounded by false preachers. He kills all of them. A little later, one man is standing over there surrounded by false preachers. One voice. Constantly. Why? Why? So that we do not hear. Create as much confusion because everything begins with hearing. That is the first step. And that is a step everybody really, 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 really struggles in hearing, struggles. Okay? You've been trained, you don't struggle. No. Then comes step two. If you are one of those blessed to be the one who heard, Matthew 13 and verse 19. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it. Heard, understand it, immediately the devil comes and takes it away. Honestly, they have no clue what they heard. No memory of anything they heard. It's just gone. Because they did not understand it. Neither Latin, Greek, it is Sanskrit. No clue what they heard. If you do not understand, you heard, but if you don't understand it, it's just gone. It's a foreign language. It makes no sense at all. After Jesus spoke, The disciples have an issue, not an issue, a real doubt, because he was speaking to the crowds in parables. Okay, speaking to them in parables. Now what is a parable? A parable is a simple story used to illustrate a moral or a spiritual lesson. A simple story, that's the simplest, okay, way to. With human characters, unlike a fable which will have inanimate, animal speaking and all that. A fable and a parable. A parable usually will have a human being. Okay, so the parable of the sower. And if they see Jesus always speaking in parables. And Jesus relied heavily on parables when speaking to the crowds. To the point, this is what the Gospel of Mark says in Mark chapter 4, 34. But without a parable, he did not speak to the and when they were alone, he explained all things to his disciples. Very strange, right? Very strange. Without a parable, he never spoke to the crowds. And then when the disciples were alone, he explained it to them. So even there there is a division: the crowd and the disciples. The crowd gets the parables, the disciples get the explanation. If you hear the parable, you like the story. But if you don't get the explanation, you have no clue what the story was all about. Actually, the, the 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 crux behind this story. Like if Jesus did not explain, the seed was the word, it is lost. It is lost. The whole parable is lost. Now let me get to another point. The whole Bible is actually a parable. And full of parables. Real incidents and real people. But they are actually parables. Earthly stories with heavenly truths. It's like Shakespeare's plays. You will have a play and within the play you will have a play. Play within the play it is called. Okay, to bring out a truth. A play within the play. And the Bible is actually full of it. The question is, does the Spirit of Jesus explain to us privately when we are alone with Him the truth behind the stories the parables in the Bible. That's how you know whether you're a part of the crowd or am I truly a disciple? Because he spoke the same thing both to the crowd and to the disciples. But only the disciples got the meaning. The crowds didn't get the meaning. Like if you start the Bible, it starts with this emphatic statement in Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. In the beginning, God created heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and void and darkness was on the face of the deep and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. That's how the Bible begins. Forgetting all the standard explanation of time, space and all that which is legit. In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The invisible and the visible. And the visible had no form. That means the invisible had form. The visible was void, implying the invisible was full. Darkness was upon the deep. So as you open the Bible, in the second verse of the Bible, you encounter a darkness. And what is darkness? Darkness is what you do not see or what you do not understand is darkness. Now remember the prophecy of Zechariah when his mouth was loosened when John is born. In his prophecy, he says in Luke chapter 1 and verse 79, to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. Sit in darkness in the shadow of death. People who sit in darkness without understanding the gospel are walking in the shadow of death. The Bible opens like that. Darkness. Do we understand what darkness means when we hear and do not understand? Where are we sitting? We are sitting in the shadow of death. Yet who is hovering over there? The Spirit of God is hovering. Meaning if you know Him, you are safe. Even though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, the valley is the deepest part of the earth's surface. Like if you, like let me, I mean, personal example. If you drive from the border town of Bhutan called Punsholing up to the capital Thimphu, you go up. And up, and up, and up, then you reach the top, then you come down to the valley of Thimpo. But when you reach the top, you will see all the mountains on the top are bright and lit, but down you look in the valley, it is dark, pitch dark, at 12 in the afternoon. Dark, because the light doesn't reach there. So even when I walk through the valley, The shadow of death. When you are walking in the darkest point of your life too. I will not fear. Why? Because your word is a light unto my feet. And a lamp unto my path. The Holy Spirit brings light. So the third verse of the Bible will say. Let there be light. So you see when you start from Genesis chapter 1 onward. It's a parable. Though it's a real story. real incident of God creating. And you go through that, from there, you go through the Bible, you will see in every chapter, there is a truth that is hidden. So the book itself divides us into crowds and disciples. Literally, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 1 and 2, the greatest sermon on the mount, on seeing the multitudes, that is the crowds, he went upon a mountain and when he was seated, his disciples came to him and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, he didn't talk to them in parables. Plain speaking. Blessed are the poor in the spirit we sang today. He did not speak to them because the crowds are down. The disciples came up. He spoke to them plainly, explaining to them what is blessing in the new covenant. You look at a, another incident, similar setting, but not in a mountain by the seaside in Mark, uh, yeah, Matthew 13. On the same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the sea and great multitudes were gathered together to him so that he got into a boat, sat and the whole multitude stood on the shore. And verse 3, and he spoke many things to them in parables. He changed his teaching. He spoke to them in parables. Spoke to them in parables. The disciples have this question in Matthew 13 and verse 10. The disciples came to them and said, why do you speak to them in parables? They notice the distinction. They notice the distinction. He speaks to them in parables, he speaks plainly to us. They notice there is a distinction. They are asking, why do you speak to them in parables? Look at Jesus' answer in 11 and 12. He answered and said to them, Because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. Tell something. He says, The kingdom of God is a mystery, but it is not hidden. It is open to whom? To the disciples. It is not open to the crowds. Though both sets seems to be following him, Their following is different. It's not the same. Then he makes an incredible statement in verse 13 and 14. Therefore I speak to them in parables. Because seeing they do not see. And hearing they do not hear. Nor do they understand. And in them the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled. Which says hearing you will hear and shall not understand. And seeing will and not perceive. Scary. Statement he makes. Talks about a prophecy and he says the prophecy is being fulfilled even as he's preaching. Then he goes about and differentiates the eyes and the ears of the disciples and the crowds in verses 15 and 16. For the hearts of these people have grown dull. The ears are hard of hearing. The eyes they have closed. Lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears. Lest they should understand with their hearts and turn so that I should heal them. But blessed are your eyes for they see and your ears for they hear. Now if I was a word of faith preacher, I would ask the crowd to say, put your hands on your ears and I say, my eyes are blessed. Doesn't work like that. Doesn't work like that. You have to look into scripture to see what actually is happening. Outwardly. Everyone's eyes and ears look the same. Look the same. Is there any different? No. Everybody's looks the same. Is God playing a spoilsport? sport? No, He's not. It is hidden with the intention He wants to reveal it. Look at scripture. Luke chapter 8. Verse 16 onwards. No one when he has lit a lamp covers with a vessel or puts it under a bed, but sets on a lampstand, those who enter may see the light. For nothing is secret that will not be revealed, nor anything hidden that will not be known and come to light. Therefore take heed how you hear, for whoever has to him more will be given, and whoever does not have, even what he seems to have, will be taken from him. So he says, look, I'm not hiding it. I actually want to reveal it to you. But if you want a revelation, be careful how you hear it. Step one is the most important part. Be very careful, Jesus says, about how you hear it. And Solomon in the book of Proverbs will put it across incredibly in Proverbs 25 and verse 2. It is the glory of God to conceal a matter. But the glory of kings is to search out a matter. Meaning if you search out and the revelation, you are a king in God's sight. You don't need a crown on your head. You are a king because you have the glory of king. Because you have found the revelation of something that was hidden by God. So everybody has ears, everybody has eyes. The crowd and the disciple. So where is the issue? Where is the issue? The issue, read carefully, go back to Matthew chapter 13 and verse 15. The hearts of these people have grown dull. The problem is not with the ears or the eyes, the problem is with the heart. The hearts have grown dull. Insensitive. And I will use a word called calloused. You know what calloused is? Like, you no, know, all of us, Malus will know that where we grow up over there, we grow up drawing water every morning with that rope choir and after some time this side will become hard, calloused. There's not much feeling there. And if you know anybody who's gone for karate training, you just look over here because this is how they are made to do push-ups. So you will see it's black and hard and calloused. So their hearts have grown calloused, hard, hard, hard. See, that's why the first part of the message, before the message began, was about news. When these things happened, we should become more and more sensitive and not more and more nonchalant. We have to be very, very careful how we filter news in what is it doing it to us. The things that are happening in our own lives, our own homes, our own personal lives, is it making us calloused or making us more sensitive? Because we know from scripture, the most sensitive man can become the most calloused man. If you don't guard your heart. A man when he cut the edge of Saul's robe and he was so shaken saying, I touched the Lord's anointed, Sends the death certificate in Uriah's hands without that poor man knowing. And when he hears he's dead, he says, "So what? People die in battle. The most sensitive man on earth, a man after God's own heart, becomes the most calloused-hearted man. Same man in a course of few years. Of course. So everybody is susceptible to this. Everybody is susceptible to it. That is why God says, be careful about how we hear the word.'" Be careful about how we hear the word. The hearts have become dull. The ears are hard of hearing. The eyes have closed lest they should see the eyes and hear with their ears. But that's not again the issue. The issue is lest they should understand with their... See, we think we understand with our minds, not God's word. We understand with our heart. You go to college and school, you understand with your mind. God's word is understood with your heart. Unless you give your heart fully over to God, you will not understand his word. You will not. You would like to correct it and say, I can understand with my, with my mind. I can have a PhD in literature, but I cannot understand the word of God. I had professors in my university who could give you an incredible lecture on the book of Psalms, on the book of Job. They had no clue what they were talking about, they, though the lecture was fantastic because they did not know Christ. And they had not given their heart to him. But he could sit there spellbound because they were so good. It was from the mind. It's not from the heart. Lest they should understand with their hearts and turn. I should heal them. Faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God. But do you know that we believe with our heart you should believe with your heart not with your mind with your heart that's why God's word talks about constantly about guarding our heart in proverbs 423 keep your heart with all diligence for out of the out of it springs the issues of life we understand with our heart Not so much with our mind. Though the mind is involved, but it is with the heart. Now listen carefully, okay? That's what Jesus said. Listen carefully. Friends, Romans, lend me your ears. I have not come to praise Caesar, but to glorify Jesus. The evil that men do lives after them, but the good is oft interred with their bones. So let it be with Caesar. I could give you the whole thing. But the Bible excites me more than Shakespeare. I'm going to give you different statements. Read. Your eyes should see. Your ears should hear. Faith comes from hearing. And hearing from the word of God. These are statements about faith. And they are all true because it's scripture. In Mark chapter 9, verse 23, Jesus said, If you can believe, that's faith. If you can believe, in 22 he says, have faith in God. In verse 23 he says, if you have faith in God, if you believe, all things are possible with him who believes. All things are possible with him or her who believes. Now I didn't say it, he said it, it's scripture. One side of faith. Second one, Hebrews eleven six. Without faith it is impossible to please him. For he come who comes to God must believe that he is. Must believe that he is. Second, he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So many things there. But what does it say? Without faith it is impossible to please him. Can I have the slide? You have three people running the race of faith. Okay? Outwardly, they all look the same. They've got zeal. They know their word. And one is running with this zeal, saying, you know what? All things are possible to him or her who believes. The second one is running with that. I am running because my word says God is a rewarder of those who seek him. Those who believe he exists and those who seek him. The third one is running, says, I want to please him. Who do you think will finish? Three. Outwardly they look the same. The fact is that you need to have all three. But three is the most important. You see, motivation is completely different. So the question is, What is the motivation behind your faith? Because faith comes from? If you want to keep on hearing till the last day of your life, like Jacob did and Joseph did and Abraham all did, you know what? You should be motivated with this core thing. I want to please him. I want to please him. All things are possible to him who believes. Fantastic, it is true. God is the rewarder of those who seek him. Excellent. But, third one, I want to face it. In Matthew chapter 3 and verse 17, 3 and verse 17, and suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am. I said, well, Father, well pleased with Jesus, 30 years home life, because the son Please the Father. What was Jesus doing for 30 years? His walk of faith. One intention, one motivation. What is that? I want to please him as a son. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased because the son pleased the Father. Motivation. Now look at the other one in the middle of his ministry in Matthew 12 and verse 18. Behold my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved in whom my soul is well. Okay. In one verse, the father says, this is my beloved son. In the other verse, the father says, this is my servant. We have to please God, both as sons and daughters and as servants. One is life, the other is service. We are called to please God because we are all children of God if you are saved. We are all children of God. We have to please God as a son, as a daughter. We have to please God as a servant. Our two identities. Jesus was the son of God. And Jesus was the servant of God. And every child of God sitting over here also has the two identities. In John 8 and verse 29. This is what Jesus says. He who sent me is with me. The father has not left me alone. For I always do. Thinks that See, he's walking by faith. Faith comes from hearing, hearing from the Word of God. What, what is motivating his faith? Motivating his faith. I want to please God. See, if that is our motivation, then we don't need other reasons. All things are possible to him, who believes, but that thing happened. So you start doubting your faith. We you try to pump in more faith. God is a rewarder of those who seek him. But you are not very clue what the reward is. You hope for something, got something else. Now you are disappointed. It's like, uh, what is his name? Chuck Swindle. I think it was Chuck Swindle. As a young boy. He was wanted that basketball, 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 basketball. Told his mother in his dream also. Mom, birthday is coming. Basketball, basketball, basketball. On his birthday, the box came. And he looked at it. Ah, looks like something round. Very happy. He opened it. It was a globe. <laughs> what can a young boy do with a globe? The mother gave it to him and said, Son, this is my prayer for you. One day the Lord will use you and your word will go to the ends of the earth. And today it is true. It's true. So you expect something, you receive something else. God is the rewarder of those all who seek him. So you can again get disappointed. But if it is the third thing, if it is the third thing, you want to please him. You need things. See, motivation is very important. You look in the Bible of all those who finished, finished well, they were motivated by this one thing. They wanted to please God wanted to please God. Even our children will come to that later. You want to fight this good fight of faith ultimately. How long will you fight? Romans 8.8 8. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So that's a good reason to fight the flesh. I want to please. I will not walk my, by my flesh, my feelings, my emotions to be a little nasty. I say there's only one thing worse than loose motions is emotions. If you allow them to lead you, your emotions to lead you, the flesh takes over. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Cannot please God. Those who are in the flesh cannot. There is a very good reason to fight the flesh. Because you want to please God. So when we read Hebrews 11.6 and Hebrews 10.38... You realize, I want to please God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. And Hebrews 10.38 says, Anyone? The just shall live by faith, but if anyone draws back, my soul will not have pleasure in him. God will not be pleased with him. So I don't want to draw back, Lord. I want to please you. You see, the goal is outside of ourselves. It is to please somebody outside of us. Actually, these two verses will define our purpose in life. Purpose in life should be, ultimately, Lord, I want to please you. I want to please you. So the primary instruction, that is how you differently take instruction, the teaching of the word of God. How we take Everybody doesn't receive it. That's why God, this is God who we hear. All those who have ears, let them hear. Eyes see. But he says they understand with their heart. They understand with their heart. To understand with their heart, the question is, where is your heart? Jesus said, wherever your treasure is, that is on Facebook, that's where your heart is. So the instruction, primary instruction for those who are saved in the church is to how to please God. So the question we ask is, is that the attitude of my heart? If it is, you and I will hear and understand differently. There are three categories in life. Okay, All three are important, but the most important. One is, we have to please God. Two, we have to please self. And three, we have to please others. It's there. Love God with all your heart, all your might, all your strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, so God, self, neighbor. These are all there. The Bible is full of instructions. How to live this life. This is where hearing changes. The balance comes. In Galatians chapter 1 and verse 10, Paul says, for Do I now persuade men or God or do I seek to please men? For if I still pleased men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. So when you have to choose between, sometimes no, it doesn't come. You can choose God and you can choose man. You can choose. Okay, you can choose. Okay? Like all of you, all of you are used to listening to the word of God. Uh, some people may not be used to the listening to the word of God. Okay, like if they are new, they are not used to. It. But so, like last week we had the guests who had come for the wedding, you know, so they were, and Sami when they picked them from the airport, had already warned them, tomorrow, Sunday, church, messages, one and a half hours, two hours, and all that. Now, they're all used to 20-minute messages. And I didn't even know that young man was a pastor. Now, now you don't change the message to please man. But the interesting part is that when it finished, they did not even know one and a half hours was over. No, I didn't even know he was so RGS as I met him. Just casual, this thing, you know, because I don't treat people by the color of their skin. Simple, as simple as that. Treated him as normal. So he thought I was ignoring him. So he wanted to meet me in the evening. You know what? He sat with me for three hours. And he cried. He cried. Hearing the word. Said, I'm going to log in. I'm going to listen to the word all the time. And we think people will not hear. We think people will not hear. The thing is that we cannot please men. When you and I have to choose between pleasing God and pleasing men, always pick God. Always pick God. And When we have this motivation to please others, be very, very clear. Very, very clear. First Corinthians chapter 10. Why? This is how you will understand, your eyes will open and ears will be opened when you read, hear the word of God. Because you understand with your heart, not with your mind. Just I also please all men in all things. Not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many. That they may be. That's the motivation. He says, when I try to please people in all things. The motivation is this thing. That they should be saved. So there will be all these questions asked about Paul, why did you circumcise Timothy? Why did you shave your head? Different situations, different situations. He's with a Jewish crowd, and doing this with a Jewish crowd does not break or add to the law anyway, but if it will save somebody. I will go to the extent of saving somebody. So you look at this man's actions. All his actions, whether he was with the Jews or with the Gentiles, is motivated not to please them, but to please them, to save them. To save them. That's what God is looking at. Because when you are pleasing somebody to save them, you are actually trying to please God and not yourself. And then you realize your ears open and your eyes see In Romans chapter 15 verses 1 to 3, we then who are strong ought to bear with the scruples of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, leading to edification. Why? For even Christ did not please himself. Are we getting the picture? We're getting the picture. So many people sit there and have sat here in the church for years together and actually have got nothing. Nothing. It's because there's an issue with the heart, not with the ears. And the eyes are perfect, you don't have glasses. Ears are very good, no wax. But the problem is with the heart. The heart is calloused. The heart is always hearing the word with this attitude of what is it in there for me? It is self-first. And the word falls to the ground. It's not the word has not have power or effect. God has changed. The word has changed. The spirit has changed. We are pleasers of self. Or we are pleasers of people at the cost of pleasing God. And God puts the order very, very, very clear. This is how it happens. That's why there are patterns in the Bible. There are patterns, very clear patterns in the Bible. If you look, The patterns in the Bible, like, because we have so many parents with little children, small children, okay? Now, because you're all believing families, believing fathers, believing mothers, believing children, or not believing children, children who will believe one day, they're not believing yet because they're small babies and all. Let me tell you, uh, you cannot expect B without A. Before B, A comes. And you cannot expect C without B. That's an order God has placed. Okay, God has placed an order. You will see that order in Joseph's life. You will see that order in Samuel's life. When these little children are born, primarily they have two figures in their life. That is the father and the mother. Okay, All they have to be taught is to please the father and the mother and nobody else. They have to be taught to please them. They don't know God. They don't know God. But you represent God to them. Now you can represent a terrible image of God if you are not under God's order. That is the issue. And it always begins with a man. It doesn't begin with a woman. It begins with a man. Remember, if you think you are the head, then the honest is upon you. And scripture is very clear to the father, to the husband. The head of man is Christ, the head of Christ is God, so as christ 's head was God, all you tried to do was please his head. And because his head is a righteous, holy head, all the ways in he trying to please his head is holy and righteous, and his ears are always open and he always hears. So here is a man, let us say a man, married man, here is a man, his head is Christ. That man should always try to understand and find out constantly how to please Christ because Christ is his head. That's the order. Nowhere in the Bible the scripture says the head of woman is God. Nowhere. Doesn't say. It says the head of woman is man. When that happens in the home, man who pleases God, woman who pleases a husband, and the child is trying to please both. Then when a time comes, the child has learned, you know what? There is a righteous couple in my life and he doesn't understand righteousness at all, but he's trying to please them and his ways are righteous in God's sight. That little boy at the age of five or six is taken and put with Eli. And all around a crooked priest. But Eli for all said and done. He has a problem with controlling his sons and all. But man is not an unrighteous man. He's got an eating disorder probably. But other than that he's a righteous man. So all that boy does now is to please Eli. Because that's what he learned at home. Like I, like I, like I keep telling when I pray with people. It says you don't need favor with all men. You usually need favor only with one man. When you go to a particular office, the head who is sitting there, you only need his favor. You don't need the favor of the pew and the LDC and stenographer. You don't need all that. The manager who is sitting there, only his favor you need. So you don't need to please everybody. Samuel pleased his father and mother. Samuel pleased Eli. Then when the time comes when God speaks to him in the voice of Eli. Scripture says Samuel did not know God and he Knows God. After that all he has to please is God. And all his life he pleased God. Please God. But where did it begin? It began at a godly home. And all of you have this incredible fantastic start God has given you. You all have married each other and you are all believers. And you got small children. Fantastic. Now what a start you have. Incredible start. So much knowledge of the word of God, like packed like sardines in your head. Less oil and more sardines. That's if you buy the tinned fish from the Middle East because olive oil is more expensive than sardines. So they jam the fish in and pour the oil at the top. That's how GTC young people have got word in their head. Can you imagine what a start you have? He pleased God. Pleased God. Samuel pleased God. And this is our basic struggle. Our basic struggle is how do I put it across? In the book of Corinthians, Paul says where the spirit is Lord, the Lord is the spirit, there is Liberty, when I explain to slightly intellectual crowds, this is how I say. No religion has come from the West. Every religion has come from the East. Whether it is Judaism, Christianity, Buddhism, Jainism, Islam. Everything from Middle East or East. No religion has come from the West. But every ideology has come from the West. We notice every ideology has come from the West. And every ideology that has come from the West is an offshoot of Christianity. Because at the core of Christianity is this. God has given you liberty. He has come to set the captives free. So the core part of Christianity is liberty. So all this human rights watch and all this thing is from the West. And Eastern religions don't like them. Everything connected with liberty. But when you take liberty without God, the form changes. Yet at the core you are fighting for liberty without God, without his righteousness, without his holiness. So humanism is outworking of Christianity without Christ. Where man is at the center. Feminism is a fight for liberty of the woman without Christ in the center. Socialism and communism is also a fight for liberty of the poor and the masses without Christ in the center. Because if Christ is in the center, you will die for the poor not kill them if they don't agree with your ideology. I got a D in my dissertation when I wrote the difference between capitalism and communism. One is Christ without the cross, the other is the cross without Christ. And my communist supervisor was so mad at me. I wrote a thesis why communism fell in Soviet Russia. Okay. So at the end of it, you look at it. Every one of these movements, even homosexual theories, transgender movements, is all based on liberty without God. That's why. Oh, and the problem is, everybody has swallowed a little of this pill, and your head is a masala without the liberty which the Holy Spirit brings. In the liberty which the Holy Spirit brings, says it comes by coming under. Jesus was the most free man who ever walked on earth. No roof above his head, no money in his pocket, no man walked free like that because he was absolutely under God and all he wanted to do was please his father. Free. But the Spirit is Lord, there is liberty. There is liberty. So you don't need to please too many people in life. You need to please the people that matter in life. And it begins with God. With God. Begins with God. Pleasing God. And everything is connected with pleasing. Your prayer life will change. In John, 1 John, I think in 3.22, right? What do we ask we receive from him? Why? Because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his. In his entire life of Jesus Christ God said only once no to his prayer. Every prayer was yes. Why? Because he said I always do things that please Never did God say no to his son. Never. Whether it was a small thing or a big thing. Never. Because I always do things that you see you know prayer life will change if the motivation the reason behind our prayer is also to please God look at first kings young man young Solomon becomes a king and your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen. A great people too numerous to be numbered or counted. Therefore give to your servant an understanding heart to judge your people that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to judge this great people of yours? This God is giving, appearing and telling you blank check. Ask what you want. Blank check. God is put his signature. Ask. This is what he asks. And verse 10. The speech. Please. The Lord. He was incredibly happy hearing this young man's prayer. Please the Lord. Do you understand how when the core part of our life becomes pleasing God, our eyes change how we look at things our ears change how we hear things because our heart has changed how we understand things. Because with the heart, a man believes. and We never thought with the heart, a man understands. Let me give you that. You have heard it maybe once or twice. All the mission grounds, people have heard it a thousand times. Two men, walking down the streets of a huge city. Let's say New York City. This man... It was a city man and his friend from the mountains. They are both visiting him. They are walking down the streets. Let us say New York or any city. Massive crowd, traffic, all kinds of noise, everything. They are walking, walking in that crowd. Suddenly that mountain man stops. And he says, I hear the sound of a cricket. Grasshopper. Not cricket. pranit, not cricket. The other cricket. Okay, cricket. His friend said, Cricket. Don't you hear all the noise? There can't be any cricket over here, no grasshopper over here. He said, no. He looked, there was a window of a shop, a flower pot over there. He looked behind one of the leaves and he said, I told you there is a cricket over here. So he asked him, in the midst of all this noise, how did you hear the sound of the cricket? He said, I come from the mountain. The mountain, it is quiet. And our ears are tuned to hearing the smallest of sounds. And he says, but I will tell you, he said, all these people can hear. Only problem is, he said, people hear with their heart and not with their ears. And what he did was he put his hand and took a bunch of coins and he just dropped it on the ground. As soon as he dropped, all the crowd stopped and looked. You know why? Because everybody is going with their heart. How to make money? How to make money? Give me, give me, give me. My name is Jimmy. Give me, give me, give me. Do you know that we actually hear and understand with our heart? If your heart is full of troubles. You cannot even hear if God uses a megaphone. What he's wanting to try to tell you. That's what he says. Do not be troubled about tomorrow. Do not worry about tomorrow. Because if you worry about tomorrow, you will not hear from God what you need to do today. That's a problem. Sufficient unto the day are the evils thereof. Do not worry about tomorrow. And the problem is, I don't want to hear about tomorrow. I want to hear about today. Anyone who comes to God must believe that he is. Not he was or will be. He is. I want him today. I don't want him tomorrow. Tomorrow is another day. Tomorrow is not guaranteed. I need him today. I need to hear from him today. Our problem is our hearts are full of either yesterday Hangover or tomorrow? Worry. In between we forget we are supposed to live today. And grace is promised for today. By faith we have access to this grace in which we stand now. 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 This is our problem. Our major issue is this. It's because we don't understand that you understand the word with your heart. And God says, like, no, I mean, last wedding we didn't say, but many weddings I will tell, no? Give your hand to your spouse, your heart only to God. Only to God. If you love God with all your heart, then there is no space left unless you have two hearts. Your hand to your spouse, your husband or your wife, walk together, but your heart belongs to God. Because he directs the course of your heart. Bible doesn't say the mind of the king is in the hand of our God. What does he say? Heart. Not the mind. The heart of the king. Right? Haman is making everything ready. Gallows are ready. Gallows is drooling tomorrow. When we will be hanging over there? That night the king couldn't sleep. Why? What is beside? Couldn't sleep. He says, I'm not sleeping. Get me something to read. And he's reading what portion? How? Mordecai had saved the king's life. He said, Oh my gosh, this man saved my life. What was given to him? Nothing. Call, who is there? Haman is there. Come, there is this man whom the king wants to really. <laughs> this man is thinking, who can it be other than me? Fatting himself in the bag. No. He says, this is what you need to do, put a ring or whatever, necklace around, put him on the horse, king chariot and you go with him. And who is that? Mordecai. Why? Because the heart of the king is in the hand of our God. Okay, always remember how God looks and you need to realize, where is my heart? Is it with God? In Romans 12, verse 1 and 2, scripture says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Just offer it to God. Surrender it to God. And do not be conformed to the world, but the transforming of a renewing of a mind. We know all that. You may prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. You really want to please God? Do you really want to please God? If that is your attitude, he says, you will know what is the will of God. We want to know without surrender. Second Timothy, the same Paul will tell young Timothy, chapter 2, and verse 4. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. He says, God enlisted you into his company. Do you know who your CEO is? Do you know who your commanding officer is? You don't get entangled in civilian affairs. In the affairs of this world. Because all you want to do is please him. All you want to do is please him. So The question is, your prayer life changes when you want to please him. Your walk changes because you want to please him. Right? Your consecration changes if you want to please him. Look at Amos 3.3. Can two walk together unless they are agree? No. They cannot. And all the struggles couples face is with agreement. Though they made an agreement here or wherever the wedding was, when the walk begins they realize they don't agree with a lot of things. So power play begins. I am the head, agree with me. I am the neck, turn with me. And God understands that. He says, Can't two walk together unless they agree. So God says, the only way two can walk together is by agreeing on a set of principles, rules, and this is it. For this purpose, man shall leave his father and mother, cleave to his wife, and they shall become... It is not which one. They shall become one. This one. This one. Now that doesn't mean when you fight, you should be, you should be fighting. It is written. No. That suddenly the wife will say, it is also written. No. Can two walk together unless they are agreed? In Genesis five twenty four, and Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. Enoch walked with God. You put it all together; it's incredible, right? He walked with God. He walked with God. He walked with God. Walked with God, and they have two have become one. And then God said, "Come. Now, if I leave you here." You will be absolutely lonely. You will have nobody to walk with. You have become one with me. We have become one. And God took him. Do you know what Hebrews 11.5 says? By faith, Enoch was taken away. So that he did not see death and was not found. Because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony. What is his testimony? He pleased God. He pleased God. He had this. What is our testimony? This was Jesus' testimony. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. This is my servant in whom I am well pleased. He had this testimony. 300 years walk. What a testimony. That was his testimony. That he pleased God. Then to the verse, all my dear brethren who came late to service, Hebrews 13, verse 15, you could not offer it because therefore let him, by him, let us continually offer the sacrifice. See, there is this thing called sacrifice of praise and the problem is we are willing to praise without sacrifice. How do I wake up my three-year-old child in the morning? Sacrifice. Who sacrifices? Not the child, you. What mean you go to bed early on Saturday instead of watching TV? Don't blame the child. Preparation for Sunday begins on Saturday. The child has to know. See, when the child sees you are excited about the next day to go to the house of God and worship, the child will also one day say, I was glad, very glad, when they said to me, let us go to thee. Otherwise, when the child grows up, the child will say, I was sad, very sad. When they said to me, who taught me? Daddy taught me, mommy taught me. See, there is sacrifice in praise. If there is no sacrifice, there is no praise. It is cheap praise, like you hear cheap grace. Very cheap praise. Very cheap praise. But there is sacrifice over there. But you can only offer that sacrifice if you want to please God. In Psalm sixty-nine, verse thirty and thirty-one, this is what's true: I will praise the name of God with a song, and I will magnify Him with thanksgiving. This also shall please the Lord better than an ox or a bull, which has horns and hooves. Let's put it in today's context. Say you didn't—you were in there for worship at all. That's your practice. But you put 20,000 in the offering bag. Let's make it relevant to our times. God says, I'm not pleased with your offering. Pastor is. God is not. <laughs> the pastor doesn't know who put it. God says, I'm not pleased with your ox or your bull. Why? Because there was no sacrifice in your praise." This is our issue. And you have to, you have to, at the center, the core of your being, it has to be this, Lord, I want to please you. Like keep telling, can you play to the audience of one? I really want to watch that match in Italy where they played without the audience. Simply to see how did they play. Because the players get pumped up when there's a crowd. Pastor Vijayandhal is lucky because he followed after me. I have preached to one person with the same passion. Sunday after Sunday before the church started filling up. Not here, in other places. One person. Audience of one. Sat with them. and Spoke to them and prayed with them and cried with them. Because that one person came to church because he was HIV positive. That was the only reason he came and got saved. Gave to his wife also. Does the word change? You think Jesus preached differently to the crowds, differently to Nicodemus and differently to the Samaritan woman? No. He was pleasing his father. Young people get it right. You want to please your God. You're not trying to please anybody else. It pleases God. Everything that we do. In John chapter 15 and verse 8. By this, my Father is glorified. Let us put there, pleased, glorified is pleased that you bear much fruit, much fruit. The fruit has two things. One is your character being constantly changed in the image of God. That is why it is called the fruit of the Holy Spirit, not the fruits of the Holy Spirit. You're more loving, more kind, more patient, more peaceful. All that is happening in your life, more and more and more, and the father is pleased. Very pleased. Aceh sabash, he says. He's pleased. The other thing has got to do with your work. other thing has got to do with how you work. Whether you are a student or a worker, an employee, housewife, it doesn't matter. Everybody works, otherwise they don't eat. Because that's scripture. Look, look at First Corinthians chapter 15 and verses 9 and 10. I am the least of the apostles, so I'm not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. He comes into ministry with the baggage, but he didn't allow the baggage to stop him. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. I labored more abundantly than they all. Paul is talking about the way he worked in his mission, in his call. He says, I worked more than all the apostles put together, though I am the least. It did not affect my work. I used grace to the maximum. Because what is Paul's only one intention? I want to please the one who enlisted me into that army. I want to please my God. You know the unbelievable, unthinkable is happening in US. There's panic in every rank. Will Bernie Sanders win the election and become the next president of United States? So the title is, the slogans is Feel the Burn. Will Bernie win? How can 35-40% of American citizens actually opt for Bernie Sanders when he is the evolved socialist and communist? It's because a generation have grown up who don't don't like working and they want things free. What is he talking about? Free healthcare. Free. All your tuitions will be waived off. Free. 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 A generation, their forefathers made America great because they were the hard working set of people. Their children have come up who are lazy. Can you believe it? Remember what Jesus said, my father and I are at work from the beginning and are still at work. God is a worker. The kingdom is full of workers and we need to realize Do we work in a way that pleases God? You don't have to look at your employer. We all have only one employer. We all have one employer and the same employer. Whether you are a student or working in a private company or a public sector or the government, we have only one employer. Well done, my good aunt. Oh, so you were my employer. Do you know that? All of us have only one employer. Whether I am in the ministry full-time, Pastor Pevijaya and me, in full ministry full-time, Brother Cyril, or Pastor Danu and all, we are a full-time ministry and you think your employer is different? Everybody has the same employer. I'll show you certain nuggets from the Bible. Genesis 30, 29. Matter of fact statement from Jacob. And Jacob said to him, you know how I have served you. He's telling his employer, who happens to be his father-in-law, you know how I have served you. And you can count your livestock. Have you lost anything? You know how I have served you. You know how he served him? Genesis 31, 6. You know that I have, that with all my might I have served your father. All my might. Can we say that about God? I have served you Lord with all my might. But whatever I am called to do. Look at verse 40 and 41. There I was. How did he serve? In the day the drought consumed me and the frost by night and my sleep departed from my eyes. Thus, I have been in your house 20 years. I served you 14 years for your two daughters. What was my salary? Nothing. What did I get? Your two daughters. How many years did I serve? 14 years. How did I serve? In the day the drought consumed me. In the night... The frost consumed me. And my sleep departed from my eyes. And six years for your flocks, and you have changed my wages. Then, though you were an unscrupulous employer, it did not change the way I worked. It did not change the way I worked. Because sometimes when an employer changes, the way we work, we changes. Jacob said, I know, you changed my wages. 14 years I worked for nothing just to get your two daughters. And then the six years you changed my wages ten times. And every adjustment was so that I should lose. But I gained because of my God. But I did not change the way I worked. And Laban could not deny it. This is important to us because the way we work, who are we trying to please? Who are we trying to please? All the students sitting over here and ask prayer for exams. Do you have that passion for your studies? Do you have that passion for your studies? Pastor Vijay and I were not believers when we studied. But he can quote his engineering subjects and I can quote my Shakespeare because we were passionate about our studies. Passionate. And same passion we still give to the word, actually more. Because if we are preachers, we should still have this passionate about our studies. The employer hasn't changed. That's why the Bible says, whatever you do, do it with all your might unto the Lord and he is pleased. It is John Piper who said, one of the greatest users of Twitter and Facebook, I should use WhatsApp and everything else, will be to prove on the last day, that is a day of judgment, that our prayerlessness was not because of the lack of time. That's what I said. First thing I looked, first thing when I started the message, first thing my phone will tell you that your screen time was very less this week, and I say hallelujah. On the day of judgment, that is why it is written, books will be opened. I didn't have time to pray. He'll say. You have an Apple phone, right? Bring Jyoti's Apple phone. Sorry, Jyoti. Okay. She's a good girl. Okay. Huh. 2019, time spent on phone. Three hundred and fifty hours. You didn't have time? Oh. Facebook or 60 hours? What's up? God will say, what's up with you? (laughs) We don't realize who our employer is, who we are trying to please. And you start that way in your life. As a child, I said, you got an incredible start. Young parents sitting over there with your children. They're set for life. Set for life. I want to please God. Jacob will say in 30 and verse 29. There I, so Jacob said, you know how I have served you and how your livestock has been with me? Did you lose anything? And how are they with you? Verse 38, 39. These 20 years I have been with you. Your eaves and your female goats have not miscarried their young. And I have not eaten the rams of your flock. They didn't miscarry. Meaning, I was very gentle with them, how I led them. It didn't matter to me that it was belonged to somebody else and this is not going to profit me. When my duty was given, I was so careful about how I handle stuff. Are you good with other people's stuff? Simple question, are you good with other people's stuff? Or when you leave, you leave a trail of destruction. How do you handle? We, we are all stewards. The earth and its fullness belongs to God. And we don't realize, take charge of ten cities is got to do how we handle little things here. He says, Your eaves, none of them miscarriage. I was not in a hurry and I was pushing this pregnant little sheep. No, I didn't. I was very gentle. Very, not, for 20 years, not one of your Eves miscarried. 20 years. Because I was gentle with them. How are we good with property? How how, how good are we? Simple questions. (laughs) That's one of the things which I tell the young people every time I go to Bhutan, every time I go to Bhutan, with the young people. I said, do you see the same? Yes. I said, do you know how old this trouser is? Not this, the other one. I so said, 15 years. Why? I hand wash it myself every time. One thing, I don't put on weight. 15 years. You know why? It lasts. It lasts. My God doesn't change. My trouser doesn't change. Fashion changes. All kinds. Tight, tighter, tightest. <laughs> I'm talking about men, I'm not talking about women, men. It's an abomination when men walk around with these tights because you do not recognize the fashion is behind, behind that is your homosexual lobby who's trying to make transgenders out of you and I will not wear it. Because behind everything that's happening in the marketplace there is an agenda. There's an ideology. There's something which my father taught, told me. He said, son, stick to that. That will be always the norm. This straight. Stick to that. You think anything is untouched by ideology? No, everything. That's what he's saying. That which was torn by bees, I did not bring it to you. I bore the loss. Do you replace? Do you replace? I'm t- asking you people. Because very few of us own our own houses. We all live in rented houses and when we move out, how do we move out? How do we move Do you replace? Look at this man. You see this integrity. David... Jacob must have faults about stealing blessings and all, but he was a man of integrity when it came to work, and that same integrity passed on to Joseph. That's why Joseph rose up, because he saw his father. The integrity was passed on to that son. The other ten did not learn, but one learned. And every place Joseph is, one of the things his masters will talk about is the way he works. You know why? Because that's the way his father worked. And both the father and the son worked for no wages. Sis, I bore the loss of it. You required it from my hand. Whether stolen by day or stolen by night. And I gave it to you. That's what I said when you read scripture. There are things hidden which we learn. Which we learn. Lord, I want to learn. Make an Israel out of me, Lord. Make an Israel out of me. That is George. Genesis thirty thirty. For what you had before I came was little, and it has increased to a great amount. He says, Do do you remember when I came to your house? Laban, do you remember when I came to your house? When I came to your house I came to a well, and your daughter was a shepherd. She did not even have people to lift the well's cover. Now you do you see this? I brought prosperity to your company because of the way I worked. I brought. God has put us in secular spaces, and when you leave, your company should say, You were a blessing. You were a blessing. You are a blessing. That's what He's talking about. And now, when shall I provide for my own house? That's what Potiphar. I don't know, two months, three months, four months, six months, he didn't realize, put him in charge of everything. This man, God is with him. Why? He was working unto God. Joseph. See, we can learn from all these greats. Like I said, this is called work ethics. Our work, our worship, our walk, all should please God, because at the center of it is that I want to please God. That's how Hebrews eleven begins. By faith, Abel is worship pleased God. Enoch walked with God; his walk pleased God. And third comes Noah; his work pleased God. Our worship. Our walk. Our work. Change the entire focus of your life. Starting today. It's a good day because March 1st Sunday. Third month. Jesus finished all his work in three days. This is the beginning of the third month, first Sunday. And say, Lord, change my heart. I want an understanding heart and I want to bless you. I'm not looking at who is watching me. I'm not looking what is it in for me. I'm not looking who my employer is. I'm not looking at any of those things. I am looking at who you are. It's one thing to say, God is good. If he's good all the time, can't we serve him all the time? Because he is good. God is good all the time. This was the testimony of Jesus Christ when he walked on earth in John eight and verse twenty nine. My father, twenty nine, not twenty six, twenty nine. My father is always with me. He has never left me. Why? Because I always do those things. That, please, isn't that what he says? Who sent me is with me. Father has not left me alone. For I always do those things. That because the Son did everything. To please the father. Do you know what the father did? Look at Colossians. Chapter 1 verse 26 I think. 19. For it pleased the father. That in him his fullness should dwell. You put that together. Put that together. What an incredible statement. The son is doing everything. Only to please God. And the father said. Because you are pleasing me everything. I want my fullness to dwell in him. And you know what John will say? He was filled without measure. The Holy Spirit could fully indwell in him. You see how the Trinity worked? The Son is sent to please the Father. The Father is pleased with the Son and the Spirit fills him. All got to do with pleasing. Do you know why we reached here? Because it all begins with hearing. Hearing. And understanding. And no one actually when it comes to the kingdom of God and the word of God, nobody actually understands with their mind. You understand with your heart. Because God can close your mind. He can close your eyes. On the road to Imavos He closed their eyes that they could not perceive Him. Though He was with them and He talked to them. And you talked scripture to them. They could not recognize him. Because he closed their eyes. After the resurrection scripture says. He opened their understanding. So that they could understand scripture. So please don't ever think. You are an eye With the power of our intelligence. And our wisdom. Our eyes and ears. Will ever understand God. No. It's with our heart. It's with our heart. It's with our heart. And God. Looks for somebody whose heart is stayed on him. So this morning as we come to the table, the communion table, first thing we surrender is our heart. As we go to the table, we surrender his heart because he gave us his heart. Jesus was his heart. He gave us his heart. is everything. Unlike you and me, God had only one son. He had only one son. Okay. One son. That was his heart. The sinorcer of his eyes. The fullness of his joy. The apple of his eye. One son. And he gave his one son to us. All he is saying is as an act of reasonable act of worship. Will you give me your heart today. Shall we pray? Father, this morning we just come to you. And we just want to surrender above all our heart to you, Lord. Even if we give, us, give you everything else but keep our heart away from you, we have actually given you nothing. So this morning, even before we come to the partaking of the bread and the wine, we want to give you our heart. You said wherever our heart is, there our treasure is. And we want to signify you today, you are our treasure. Touch your people today, Lord, as every one of us. Cleanse our heart, sanctify our heart, and receive our heart. That we may love you with all our heart. As we partake, Father, the emblems, the body and the blood of your Son. I pray it will bring healing and wholeness in each one's life. Thank you, Father. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I want to encourage you. That if you truly, truly surrender your heart to Jesus and you want to please Him. You will read and you will hear the word of God with different eyes. There's a famous fable of Aesop. Father and the son was going with the donkey to the market and three were walking. And some people on the road said, why is this donkey walking? Where one of you sit on it. So they put the boy on the donkey. Little father, another group of people said, aren't you ashamed boy? Your father is walking. So the boy got down and the father got in. A little later, somebody else said, aren't you ashamed old man? The boy is walking and you are sitting on the donkey. So, the father took the boy. Both of them are sitting on the donkey. A little father Another group of women said, aren't you ashamed, you two people, that the poor donkey is carrying you? So the father and the son got down and they did not know what to do. So they finally, they took a pole, tied the donkey, and they started going to the market, now carrying the donkey. (laughs) And when it came to the bridge, the donkey managed to kick, fall across the bridge, and he died. And the old wise man was following him, said, this is what happens to people who try to please everybody. Honestly, I'm telling you, if you try to please God and put that up there first in your life, see, this is all what it means, seek you first the kingdom of God, love God with all your heart, all that. You will read the Bible differently. If you turn with me to 1st Thessalonians, two verses before we close. 1st Thessalonians chapter 4 verses 1 and 2. I didn't give it to you. But this is the Bible the whole about for believers. Finally, brethren, we urge and exhort in the Lord Jesus as you should abound more and more just as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God. The way you please God, you should abound more and more and more and more and more. The instructions in the entire Bible is about how to please God. One person that really ultimately matters. For you know what commandments we gave you through the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, if your motive is to please God, the Bible takes a new light. Because faith has two parts. Both are important to us. Faith has two parts. One is that we receive by faith. We receive from God. People receive their healing, their deliverance, your blessings, your promotion. Name it. Claim it. Have it. It's okay. You receive it by faith. That's one side. There is another side of faith. The second side of faith which we don't realize for disciples which is more important. is by what you give back to God. That's what the Bible says. is more blessed to give than to receive. There's one thing. The crowds followed Jesus and they received much. The disciples left everything and followed Jesus. And Peter said, we left everything to follow you. And Jesus said, you have no clue what your reward is. You have no clue. Not only in this life. In the life to come. Both is faith. Both is faith. And today we were looking primarily at this second part about giving it to God. Lord, I want to please you with my life. And I'm telling you, there are a lot of stuff people will say, Pastor, this is written over there. Oh, it's very difficult. See, it was not written for you. It was written for those who want to please God. I'll give you an example. First Corinthians chapter 7, verse 32. It's not written to everybody. But you unfortunately happen to read it. It is written for those who want to please God. I want you to be without care. He who is unmarried cares for things of the Lord. How you may? He says, I'm writing to you who those who are unmarried. You should remain unmarried if you want to please The fellow who wants to get married reads this and says, No, what I do, this is scripture. This was not written for you. This was written to those who want to please God. And Paul was such a man. He says, I wish everybody was like me. Because that man had only one thing in his mind, in his heart. I want to please him. One On me. Okay. So there are a lot of things in the Bible which will not make any sense. Any sense. What is God doing? you want to really please me? Will you please me with anything, everything? That's what scripture says. God tested Abraham. Take your son, your only son. And offer him as a message, sacrifice. Scripture says, early next day, morning. I reached that point. It's a journey. It's a journey. We have to start this journey. This journey. No? Start this journey. When you factor your life that way, no, it's like playing to the audience of one. I believe every time Paul opened his mouth and preached. He was preaching to one, to that one man. He was preaching to God. He was not preaching first to man. He was preaching first to God to please God, please God. And that's what Joseph was doing, pleasing God in his work. That was Jacob was doing, pleasing God, though so he had a really unscrupulous employer. No, all of us are employed. Okay, I have cameras. Some of you I can watch. But we don't need cameras. There's no camera in my house, in my office. Eight o'clock I'm there. No camera. Nine o'clock in the night I go back. No camera. I think for the past four years I've been taking a pie from the church. Or a pie from the church. And I enjoy my ministry today than more than any time in my life. It's as simple as that. i as simple as that. You know, you, you can serve an earthly employer and be frustrated. You cannot serve this heavenly employer and be miserable in your work. I am sure Joseph was singing in Potiphar's house was Hebrew. He sang in Hebrew. El Shaddai, El Shaddai, I don't know what he sang. He sang and nobody could believe this is a rich man's son, a slave. He sang in prison. Paul and Silas sang in prison. Think about it. All of you, is there anybody who doesn't have trouble in life? Everybody has. Do you see who is at the top? The top chain, who is there at the top? See life that way. Shall we stand? Shall we sing? Father, this morning we just come to you, Lord. It's first day, first Sunday of the third month. I pray today, many lives will take a different direction, Lord. A different direction. To please you. Not to please self. Let our life be about you, Lord. I pray, Lord, all we can do is surrender. But grace comes from you. The power to obey comes from you. In us, we do not have it. All we can do is bend our knee. The hand that lifts up is yours. This morning, Father, we just want to give you our hearts. We may have given our time, our offerings, our attention, but now, Lord, we want to give you our heart. We want to please you, Lord, with our lives. when we hear the word when we read the word give us an understanding heart I pray none of us here standing or those who listen online hearts will become dull of hearing hearts will become calloused keep our hearts always sensitive to you Lord to the voice of your Holy Spirit To the nudgings of your spirit. And be sensitive when we hear your word. Cause your word then it becomes life. Commit the church into the hands. As we start another month, 31 days, go with us. Go before us. Each one. We need you Lord. We need you. We are weak, but you are strong. We need your strength. The a church. We need your strength. This country needs you. It's blinded in anger and hatred. Blinded. This country needs you like never before. Before that venom spreads, We need a divine intervention. A divine intervention, Lord. The world needs you. To know there is only one who can heal. The body, the soul and the spirit. Only Jesus. Every virus will bend its knee before that name. no one, no one in any part of the world should die without hearing and knowing you Lord there's an urgency in the air today Lord with pestilence sweeping the globe and salmon because of locusts sweeping nations People dying, they need to know. They need to know you, Lord. Pray, Father. How can they hear unless someone preaches? And how can someone preach unless they are sent? You said the harvest is white but the laborers are few. And I pray every man, woman and child standing in this house will be a laborer in the workplace of the kingdom. That their life itself will be a testimony of the salvation of the Lord. And they will not be ashamed of Jesus open doors for everyone Lord that they may witness Christ and show us each day how we may please you in little things and in the big things Lord we want to please you we want to walk by faith we want to live by faith let our hearing never go Thank you, Father. By faith, we lift up holy hands. We bless your holy name. We bless your holy name. We open our lips and we proclaim, Thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, forever and ever. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, Rest and abide with each one of us. Amen. Amen.